good morning, everybody. See what has been a gorgeous week this week. Um, we're gonna we're gonna look at something this morning that uh, I think a lot of people have asked themselves for the past twenty years, and we'll get into it here in just a second. But I want to read this uh, thank you note here. It says, thank you so much for the beautiful basket of mixed flowers that was thoughtful, and we appreciate your thoughts and prayers. And that's for Miss Jean Daniels over here, and I appreciate her being here with us this morning. And I had said this, I told Conley this this morning, and and, uh, I would say it whether y'all were here or not this morning, uh, but that's probably one of the most moving services I've ever been in that I've sat in for Tony. That was just, um, I met him once. But when I left there, I felt like I'd known him my lifetime. Those two men that preached, I, I, I tell you what, they painted a pretty picture of a man as I've ever seen in my life. And um, I know they minded the Lord, And um, but from what I understand, Tony made it awful easy on them to preach. So uh, I, I just uh, appreciate the family, and, uh, and um, I just continue to pray for them over the next several days and, and weeks ahead. Uh, we're going to be over in Psalm Psalm 46 this morning. Psalm chapter 46, and we'll, we'll read it here shortly. And yesterday, of course, was 9-11. Everybody knows that. So that means today is 9-12. Believe it or not, that's how that works on the calendar. And uh, this weekend, we remembered we remembered 9-11 for the 20th time. That, does it even seem possible? I've never got to experience anything historical in my lifetime up until that point. We'd had the Gulf War. Uh, we'd had some things happen in history, but nothing as historical as that day and time in my lifetime. So that was a big deal for me to, to sit yesterday morning and to think 20 years. That was, doesn't seem like it was possible, but we, 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 we honored it. In, in different ways, I know that. But I believe God wants us to remember today. I believe God wants us to remember 9-12 as much as he wants us to remember 9-11. Some things happened on 9-12 that we need to remember. Some events in history, they, in, they impact us greatly. It, it's Things like 9-11 will be engraved or etched in our hearts and our minds forever. Those of us that were alive to experience it, we will never forget that. And, and the, the, what we say about 9-11 is never forget. And, and we won't. We will not forget that. The Christians especially should not forget that. Americans should not forget that. But we need to go back to 9-12. We need to go back to 9-12. And remember how we were on 9-12. But unfortunately, 20 years later, we're back to 9-10. And these dates are going to kind of all come together after a while. You'll understand it. But we're our, as, as, a, as, as the church, as Christians, as Americans, we are back to a 9-10 mentality. We're back to the way that it used to be before 9-11, before we were shaken in our, in our, in our, our roots, before we were shaken and, and our faith was shaken, before we were touched, before... We were moved to come back to church before God touched us, before uh, we started praying more as a, a community, as a country, as a church. We were back to 910, back when everything was just okay. And we had taken, uh, I think we had taken the church, we had taken God for granted on 910. 
and we're back to that mentality now. And, and I, I, I want us to change the way we think and get back to a 912 mentality. I want us to get back as a church, as the church, as, as Christians. I want us to come back to 912 where we were, we were reminded how good God had been. We were reminded of what grace and mercy and love truly did look like. We remembered that on 912. Churches were packed on the 16th, or on the 12th too, that was a Wednesday. We were reminded that God does care and God does love. But that was on 912. What did we think on 910? If you've got your Bible, stand with me just a second. We're going we're gonna to read Psalm 46. And today I'll ask you the question, and it's puzzled a lot of people for the past 20 years. Where was God on 911? Where was he? Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? Though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, selah. There's a river, the streams whereof shall, have, or shall make Glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease until the end of the earth. He breaketh the, the bow and he cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Keith, will you open us up, please? have a seat I told Conley this morning I'd been studying out of Daniel chapter 1 for this week and Lord moved me in a different direction come Friday which is oh it's okay there's a lot of things I think about on 9-11 and being a firefighter and, and you know we always talk about the 343 uh, the 343 firemen that 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 died on 9-11 we think about that and and the question that we always, not we as firefighters, but we as just human nature, we ask on 9-11 was, why would God allow something so tragic to happen to our country? Where was God on 9-11? What took place? Where, was he on vacation? Did he just not care? What was going on that would allow God to, to let us go through something like that? So as we've asked that question for 20 years now, I want to give somebody some peace today. If you're still asking that question, where was God? Where was God on 9-11? The first thing we'll look at is the same place he was when Adam disobeyed him in the, in the garden. God was waiting to cover his sin. 
God was in the same place. Now think about that. I'm not going to give you a lot of scripture today to, to read over because I just want you to listen this morning. Where was God when man first raised his ugly head of disobedience and rebellion? Where was God? We ponder on that a lot, I know. Where he could have been. In his sovereign foreknowledge, he was setting up the world before it was even created. He was setting up redemption. That's where God was. God's a smart feller. God was thinking ahead. God had, he had in mind what we were going to be like. God knew the type of person that we were going to be, the, the type of uh, rebellious people that we were going to be. So while Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were partaking of the forbidden fruit, God was setting up a plan of redemption for us. He wasn't on vacation. He wasn't just watching to see how bad they were going to mess up. He was already setting up something for us, a plan. Knowing good and well that man was going to make, a, make terrible, terrible choices from the very beginning, he was already getting things ready for us. When Adam and Eve finally fessed up, he was there with a covering for their nakedness. They messed up, and he, he, was, he was already there and providing. So where was God? He was providing. He was providing. The second thing, where was God on 9-11? The same place he was when Noah built an ark. God was protecting them from a disaster. God was protecting Noah and his family from a disaster. Sadly, man's rebellion didn't end with just Adam and Eve. That's why, boy, that would have made a good story, wouldn't it? They, they repented, they asked for forgiveness, God covered them, covered their sins, and, and life went on from that point, but it didn't. We actually got worse. We rebelled, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, children did, generations did, and then we come down to Noah and his family. Here was Noah, he was a righteous man. We know that, we've read that story, I know. He was a righteous man, he was faithful, and he, he was faithful to, to proclaim righteous, the righteousness of God. Amen. He wanted everybody to know how righteous God was, but everybody thought he was crazy, he's a lunatic, it ain't going to rain, it's never rain, we don't have to worry about that, you're a crazy failure, why are you building a big old boat, why are you doing all this work, it's, it's not going to happen, and he was kept saying, my God is righteous. They just thought he was crazy. When God, who was grieved by man's wickedness, decided to wipe man from the face of the earth, he spared Noah. He spared his family. He spared the, the animals that were in the ark. He spared them, and then he used them. He used the contents of that ark to repopulate the earth. Where was God in Noah's time? He was there with him protecting him God was on the throne God was still sitting on the throne during Noah's time and Noah or God was with Noah and protected them from the disaster that's where God was we're on 9-11 the same place that he was when Job lost everything he was proving to be God during the hard times you look at Job and you look at what that man went through all that that man went through and you would wonder I think uh, someone that doesn't, isn't familiar with the Bible or the story of Job, they would think, that's a mean God. That ain't a loving God. 
No God would allow somebody to go through what Job went through. Where was God during Job's trials? Where was, where was God during the loss of his cattle and his farm? Where was God during the loss of his children? Where was God during this whole situation? That's what most people would ask. Now again, we see a man, a good man, a godly man, standing for what is right and what was wrong. A good man, godly man. But he took a stand for what he knew was right. He stood for God. Now, did being blameless and upright immune Job from problems? No, absolutely not, and it never will. None of us. As, as blameless, as upright as we try to be, are we immune to persecution? Are we immune to problems in this life? No. And I'll be honest with you, I've said it time and time again. As a Christian, it's going to get harder. We're going to face things a lot harder than the non-believers because the devil lost one. The devil has lost us. And we are gods now. And it just makes him mad. And so the devil's going to make it a lot harder on a Christian. And that's okay. Because we've got somebody in our corner fighting with us and fighting for us. There were evil men in his day. And they were willing to kill and to steal to get what they wanted. That wasn't Job. And as a result there, Job lost everything. Everything of value. Including his kids. And what did his wife ask him to do? Turn, turn your back on him. Turn your back on God. Where was God during this time when all this took place with him and his family? Where was God? That's a good question. Had he turned his back on Job? God ever turned your back or his back on you? He didn't turn his back on Job. Even through everything that he went through, he did not turn his back on Job. Was Job a spiteful man? Did he turn his back on God? Nope, he did not. God had not deserted Job, and Job would not curse God. Even though his wife asked him to curse him, he said, nope. Where was God when Job was losing it all? Where was he? Where was God when Job's children were killed? Where was God when Job was in all that pain? Where was God? It's a good question. Job recognized that God can give and can take, and it was his duty to bless the name of the Lord. That was his duty. Just bless the name. Just bless it. That's all he asked. In the end, God was there with him. In the end, God was there, and he gave him back double what he had because God was there. God was there with him the whole time. Through the ups and the downs in your life, God is with you. Through the persecution, through the loss, through the pain, through all that you're going through in your life, God is there. Job's prime example. He never left him. Not one time did he leave him. Where was God on 9-11? The same place he was when Abraham lapsed in faith, God was fulfilling his promise. That's where God was, fulfilling promises. That's what God does. He fulfills promises for us on a daily basis. And the same thing was going on right here with Abraham. Amen. Even though he had a little lapse in his faith, he was still providing. Abraham minded the Lord, 
and he, he, and he left his homeland, and he went out to, to this land that was going to be given to his descendants. But there was just this wee little tiny problem. He didn't have any. He had no descendants yet. And you go back and you read the story about him, and he had a beautiful wife, lots of servants and possessions, but he had no descendants. How would God fulfill his promise? How could he fulfill this promise? Where was God at this time whenever Abraham needed to go into this land that God had given him, and it, or given his descendants? Where was God, and how was God going to provide him with these descendants? He's an old man. Sarah was old. Abraham was old. They could not have the child think God needed a little help? Do you think God was on vacation? Do you think God had decided not to do anything about this? Do you think God had decided to break a promise? <laughs> Absolutely not. God was still there. Did God need help? Does God need help? I think God does his part, but he wants us to do our part as well. I'll leave it at that. Along comes Hagar. Oh, Hagar. That wasn't uncommon in those days to have a surrogate mother for, uh, for women that were unable to, to have children. God done his part. God had never left them. And I feel like, like I said, God does his part and he wants us to do our part. We got to mind him. So, to Abraham and, and Hagar was born son, Ishmael, who we know of now as kind of the father of the modern Arab states in that area, in Islam, but not the son of promise. He was not the son of promise. That distinction was given to Isaac later on, whom Sarah would bear to Abraham when he was 100 and she was 90. Where was God? He was there with Sarah, and he was there with Abraham. He was there with him, fulfilling promises. That's where God was. Fulfilling promises. Where was God on 9-11? The same place he was when Joseph was in jail. God was accomplishing his perfect will. Again, just like those promises. That's what God does. He accomplishes his will. If ever anyone was misunderstood and mistreated, it was Joseph. From his brother selling him off, to being accused of rape, and, and to be... Uh, forgotten or mistreated, whatever, by his, by his butler, whatever you want to call it. This man went through a lot. And he suffered wrongly. Every step of the way, though, I want you to listen to this. God was able to take Joseph's situation and mold him. That's what God does. When we think God's not around, he takes these situations that we're in, whatever the situation might be. God takes that situation and he starts to mold you because, you know, we're clay. And so he takes that clay and he'll mold that thing around and he'll make you a better person because of the situations that you're in. That's what was going on with Joseph. He was taking, God was taking these situations, his brothers, Mrs. Potiphar, his butler, all these people, he's taking all these situations and he said, I'm going to make you bigger and stronger and I'm going to make you have some kind of faith. So where was God during Joseph's struggles? Fulfilling his will. Making him a stronger person. 
And we can go on and, and look at all these different experiences in the Bible. I've got a couple more. You know, we've got Moses on the backside of the desert being prepared to be a, a great servant. Where was God? He was preparing him to be a great servant. We've got Samson fumbling around there in the darkness. What was God doing? He was preparing him to give him strength at his weakest moment. Jonah being swallowed up by the fish. Where was God? He was there teaching him that God's ways are the best ways. Peter and John beaten for preaching the gospel, being given greater opportunities to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God was doing. He was preparing the way for them to be able to preach more. That's what God does. God never left them. Paul being stoned and shipwrecked and in prison, yet being assured that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's what God was doing. He's reminding them that all things work together for good for those that love God. So where was God on 9-11? The same place he was when Jesus hung on the cross. God was enduring the pain for our benefit. Where was God on 9-11? He was still on the throne. He was still fulfilling his will. He was still making plans. He was still God. He was still God. As Jesus hung on that cross, God was enduring the pain of watching his only begotten son suffer and die. The horror, the agony that he went through, the suffer, the pain that he endured while he was up here on this cross. Not just the thorns that were in his brow. Not just the reeds and the fists that were beating him and hitting him from the soldiers. Not just the thorns that were placed on his head and, and, and mashed into his, his scalp. Not just the lashes on his back. Not just the plucking of his beard. Not just being spit on. Not just the nails in his hands. Not just the nail in his feet. Not just the spear piercing his side. All of that. But it was also the weight of our sin on his shoulder. I want you to think about that for just a second. Think about how many people have lived, are living, and will live in this old world we're living in now. There's a lot of people. Several billions of people. Now I want you to think about Jesus on that cross and what he bore on that cross for us. Sin. Sin. Lots of sin. Because that's what we all are. We're all sinners. Every man, woman, child that has ever been, will be born is a sinner. And Jesus took it upon his shoulders. The weight of the world's sins on his shoulders. Where was God when his only begotten son hung there, dying on that cross? Didn't he know what was going on? Of course he did. He knew exactly what was going on. Couldn't he have prevented or stopped it? Of course he could have. Very easily could have sent down angels and stopped it. Or he could have even prevented it before he even started. Was he helpless? 
He was not. He was not helpless. Was God aware of what was going on? Yeah, he was. Didn't he care? That's what you'd think as a, as a loving father that he would care about what's going on. Yeah, he cared. He cared greatly about what was taking place. God knew what was happening, and he could have stopped it, but he didn't because it goes all the way back to Genesis. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. We needed redemption. We needed a Savior, and it had to be Jesus. So God couldn't stop it because we needed him. We needed Jesus. Here's, here's the thing about God that, that we tend to overlook. I think we kind of put him as he is God, and we think of him as Father, and he is. He's our Heavenly Father. But we think that he sees things the way that we see things. And here's the thing about God. God sees a big picture, and we don't. God was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and he was thinking about 9-11. He knew what was going to take place. He was thinking about 2021 and what was going to take place. God in the Garden, seeing the entire picture, he seen something that we can't see. He sees it all. He sees it all. There was a greater good to be accomplished by the suffering and death of Jesus. Something that we can't imagine. Something that Adam and Eve could not imagine. Something Noah couldn't imagine. Something Joseph couldn't imagine or Daniel or, or any of them. They couldn't imagine what needed to take place. They could not picture it in their mind. But God could. He's seen the big picture. Through the suffering of one, many would be made whole. Through the suffering of one, Jesus on the cross... So many of us have been made whole. Through the suffering of one, the sacrifice of one, many would have their sins forgiven. Many of us sitting here today have had our sins forgiven. And I'm hoping today, many more will have their sins forgiven. Because of the death of one, many would be made alive. Because of the death of Jesus on the cross, so many of us, even though we may perish from this earth, we're alive evermore. In heaven, because of the death of one on the cross. He wasn't just sitting there idle and helpless as his son suffered. God wasn't just, wasn't just sitting there on the throne, just, just watching as everything took place without doing a thing. He, he wasn't idle. That's not my God. My God's not an idle God. He was, using, he was using the schemes of wicked hearts to bring about the redemption of mankind. The schemes. Remember the false trial? All that he done, all that Jesus went through. He was taking advantage of that situation, the time that all this was going on, and, and he was going to bring about redemption through all of this. Isaiah 55, we all know this, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's my God. We don't understand why things happen the way they happen. And honestly, I'm, I'm glad I can't figure out why God does the things that God does sometimes. That'd be scary, wouldn't it? If we knew what God was thinking. Why he does the, way, the things that he does. Though God was there near his son while he hanged on the, the cross, there was a moment when he had to turn his back. 
that's the part that always gets me at the crucifixion. The death, that moves me. But that moment when God turned his back on his son, that gets me. I know how much my dad loves me. And as a, as a dad myself, I know how much I love my girls. And I can't imagine ever turning my back on my girls. And growing up, and even now, I can't imagine my dad turning his back on me. Don't make sense. Why would a loving father do that? But again, this is a big picture thing that you need to think about. My God is a holy God. My God cannot be in the presence of sin. When we get to heaven, there's no sin. Sin's not allowed there. So at that moment that my Jesus hung on that cross, my God had to turn his back because he could not be in the sight of all the sin that Jesus was bearing on his shoulders at that time. He could not look upon it. Could not. Did he turn his back on America on 9-11? If so, was it because of our nation's sins? I'm not answering that. I'm not going to answer that. We've all got opinions. Where was God on 9-11? I, let me just tell you where he's at, just, so, just in case anybody's trying to figure it out. He was still on the throne. He's still sitting high on the throne. Jesus is still sitting right there on the right hand of him as well. My God was in control. My God knew what was going on. My God did not turn his back on us. My God took an opportunity to wake this country up. Back at 9-11, I was 19 years old. I'd been saved a couple years, five years, four years, five years. Had I been a lot older at that time, I'd have probably thought we was getting to have a great revival break loose. Looking back 20 years now, I, I would have almost put money on it, saying they're getting ready to be a revival because there's so many people getting into church. But that wore off really quick. My God took an opportunity during a tragedy to open up his loving arms to receive as many as he could, which is all that come to him, and give them comfort and give them peace and give them care. My God took an opportunity such as 9-11 that's so tragic. And those church doors are wide open. And people got to hear the gospel. It got to be preached. I'm going to read you this little excerpt here from Focus on the Family Magazine. It says, uh, the writer wrote this. said, uh, it's about a guy named Al Bracca. Al Bracca. Al worked on the 105th floor of the tower of Tower 1 when he realized that they were trapped in the building and would be unable to escape, Al, <clears throat> Al shared the gospel with 50 of his co-workers and led them in prayer, and many, no doubt, were saved before they died. Some of those individuals had mocked his faith earlier. 
How many people turned to God on 9-11? Our nation turned to God on 9-11. And where was God? He was right there whenever they turned. When they turned to him, he was right there with them. On 9-12, many of us changed our tune and became witnesses. I know of, I know of preachers that were bivocational preachers that quit their jobs to become full-time ministers, to get into the ministry full-time, whether it be church or whatever in, in the mission field. But they felt such a burden after 9-11 to quit what they was doing to witness to a lost and dying world. That's a lot. And many of them made that decision on 9-12. On 9-12, we were all Americans that we re- and received a, a wake-up call. We got our world rocked. And so we got the wake-up call. But I think the church and I think America has gone back to sleep. I believe we've dozed back off again. That 9-10 mentality that we've got, it, it let sensitivity overshadow our security. We've become snowflakes. We're sensitive now. And why are we returning to that nonsense? On 9-12, we stopped wasting so much money on trivial things. And we started helping one another. We did. We started, I mean, it's just like a, it's like a switch went off. And we actually cared about one another for once. 9-10, we wouldn't do a thing for you. 9-12, can I make you breakfast? How about if I come over and clean your house? We started helping. We actually loved for once. Today we're spending ourselves into oblivion and wrecking our children's futures because we're back to the 9-10 mentality. We forget quickly of what it was like on 9-12, and we're back to 9-10. On Wednesday 9-12, there's a record number of people in churches. On Sunday, 9-16, there were record numbers of people in our churches. We have to remember 9-11, but we also have to remember who we became on 9-12. We become the church. On 9-12, there was no Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Lutheran. Episcopalian or Catholic. On 912, we were Christians. We were believers. We were brothers and sisters. Why can't we go back to 912? I'd never take another 911. But I sure wouldn't mind a 912. I'll read you this. I always quote this every year on 912. I always post this and I'll read it to you. Because I love it. I miss 912. I'd never want another 911. But I miss the America of 912. Stores ran out of American flags to sell because they were being flown everywhere. People were Americans before they were upper class or lower class, Jewish or Christian, Republican or Democrat. We hugged people without caring if they ate Chick fil A or wore Nikes. On 9-12, what mattered more was what united us than what divided us. 
young lady named Elizabeth Gray wrote that. And I agree 100%. I sure do miss 912. We have an opportunity and obligation as a church to be a witness and to bring us, bring our country, our community back to 912 mentality where we're loving again and we're a caring bunch again and we're not going to let politics or race or religion divide us. We're going to be united. That's what I liked about 912. We were united. One nation under God. Indivisible. That was us. We can be that again. It doesn't take a national tragedy to get us back to loving. They should never take it again. To be honest with you, I couldn't handle another one. I sat in my office yesterday morning, my study at the house, and as I always do, I pull up the clips, and I'll follow that timeline when the towers are hit, Pentagon's hit, Pennsylvania's hit, the towers collapse. I'll follow that timeline, and as always, I have my panic attack because I can't handle that. But I can't handle another 912. I can handle brother helping brother, neighbor helping neighbor. No matter who they are or what they believe, I can handle that. So let's get back to 912 thought mindset. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's where my God was. He was being a help. My God was present because we were in trouble. That's my God. That's where he was. Stand with me. We're going we're gonna to close out. Where was God on 9-11? That's the question we always ask each other. Is where was you on 9-11? What was you doing on 9-11? And we all got our own stories. But where was God? God was being God. God was on the throne, and he still is. No matter what, God will always be God, and God will always be in control. Always in control. Let's pray. Father, this morning, God, we just thank you for being who you are. God, thank you for being a sovereign God, a merciful God, a loving God, a God of wisdom, a God of foreknowledge, a mighty God. Thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what we feel in our hearts. Thank you for that presence that we feel when we feel like we're down and out, when the devil's kicking us around where we, can't str- where we just can't function anymore. You are a very present help in a time of need. And Lord, I pray this. We go through this weekend as a, we, we have, as we've talked about, it's been, a, it's been 20 years. God, and you ain't changed a lick. The same yesterday, today, and forever. That's my God. God, I thank you for 
where you've shown us the heirs of our ways. God, I thank you where you've shown us that we're right in the sight of your will. Lord, I thank you for keeping us where you, you've got us right now. And as we read there in Isaiah, our thoughts, your thoughts, they're, they're not the same. Your ways, our ways, they're not the same. And Lord, I am thankful for that. I thank you for taking care of us, for providing, for sustaining. Lord, for keeping this country above water at the moment. Lord, I pray that you just keep helping. Keep shining your light. Lord, as, as we're supposed to, Lord, we're going to pray for those in authority. Lord, I pray that, that we would do that. We would lift those up. They're leading local government all the way to the top. God, if they would just seek your face in all that's going to take place. Lord, thank you for being there. Just thank you for being there. Lord, we love you today. And I pray, Lord, a blessing on each person that's here. Lord, I pray that you just continue to move in their lives. Lord, give them strength when they're weak. Give them rest when they're weary. Give them love when they feel lost, as you always do. God, we just want to thank you again for today, for this beautiful weather that you've given us. And Lord, be with us as we leave this place. Keep us safe in our travels and bring us back here at the next appointed time. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do thank you. I think I think we're staying in Eaton. I think that's the rumor. So hang out and eat a bite with us. Everybody's got to stay in Eaton. And we'll see you out there.